When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Exposed Dragged Out. I'm your host, Joseph Shepard, and each week we talk with some of the individuals who may have went home a little bit too early on RuPaul's Drag Race. Maybe they were on too early on the show, and people are like, who is that? But it's the one, the only, Javier Rivera, also known as Rebecca Glasscock, formerly known as. That's correct, right? Correct. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Javier, I want to talk to you about your younger life. You were born in Puerto Rico, right? That's correct. I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and I lived on the island till I was 10 years old. And then I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is where I grew up. So when you were in Florida, did you have to learn English at the age of 10? Yeah. So actually, that's a really good question because when I came to this country, I didn't speak any English and uh, Spanish is my first language and I had to learn a completely new language from scratch and here I am now. Uh, it's funny because I don't really think about that as much, you know, it just is like second nature, like I'll start speaking in English or switch back and forth. But yeah, at some point, uh, the only language that I knew was Spanish, and now I know two going on three. Three? What's wait, wait? What's your? What's the third that you're you're learning now? So I was self teaching myself how to speak French. I'm a polyglot. I love languages. And when I was much much younger, when I was in high school, and I was in the fast food industry, I would work with you know uh, my Haitian mamas and you know predominantly um, Haitian uh, coworkers. And so I started picking up a little bit of Creole and, you know, I had my Haitian mama, she used to teach me how to speak French. And so I just find languages fascinating, but I ended up getting married to a Brazilian man and he speaks Portuguese. So I shift gears from French to Portuguese. So I'm actually learning how to speak Portuguese now. Um, once I get good enough where uh, I'm fluent in Portuguese, I'll revisit learning French again, because it's a language that I've always had a passion for. But it could be French, it could be Italian. Again, I love languages. Um, funny story, when I used to live in New York, I picked up very little Russian, uh, because I ended up having like, like a few Russian boyfriends. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, huge population of Israeli men too. So I would pick up like a little bit of words here and there. So I love doing that when I meet people and they're like, oh yeah, I'm from this place. And I'll start like mouthing off a little bit in their language. And 
you know, people love that. They like when you make an effort to, you know, like learn from their culture and their language. And again, I, I like to consider myself as a polyglot. I love just languages in general. So uh, currently I'm learning Portuguese and I'm getting pretty good. I I'm like taken aback right now. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. You just keep naming off more and more. When you're learning them, how do you end up memorizing or how do you end up like getting it together? What's your method? Because, you know. So I'll, I'll write it down phonetically and I'll memorize it that way. And so I may not be able to read it, especially like Russian or like Hebrew um, I won't be able to read it, but I'll be able to memorize like words and phrases and things. And I have a pretty good ear for accents. So like I'll be in a store or anywhere and uh, I work and someone will, will be talking to me in English and I'll be like, um, are you from this place or that place? And they're like, oh my God, how did you know? And it's because I've already trained my ear to kind of pick up on those slight subtle uh, rhythms because I feel like every language has like a melody to it. I'm also sure that like currently that probably helps you too because you know with acting and stuff like you know being able to pick up on languages being able to pick up on accents and stuff um, do you find that that helps you when you're trying to get into you know auditions and roles and stuff? Absolutely you know what it's it's so funny because people never um, see me as like oh you speak Spanish too like people don't have that big imagination. So you kind of actually have to lead them a little bit. You're like, hey, I speak Spanish. I can speak Portuguese. I can do this. I can do that. Because, uh, you know, they you always hear like, oh, you know, be yourself. And casting agents have this imagination and they can imagine you. But you kind of actually have to lead them a lot because, you know, they just go based on visual and or what they know. Um, so, yeah, definitely it helps a lot. And I have not, believe it or not, done anything in Spanish, which is mind blowing because that's my my that's my native tongue. And I'm completely fluent in Spanish. And I have never done anything in Spanish. And it's so funny because when I did this show many years ago, you know, there were other girls on the show that were like, I'm from Puerto Rico and I, you know, and they would they were a little more vocal. It wasn't that I wasn't vocal about where I was from. It just, it doesn't come up in conversation. So I'm not like, this is where I'm from. And, you know, cause I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's a part of me, but it's, I don't know. It never came up. And when I finished the show, my mom was so angry because they kept saying like, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so from Puerto Rico. And she was like, so-and-so and so from Puerto Rico, you're from Puerto Rico, you're Puerto Rican. And I was like, mom, I know. And I've never denied that. And I've never not claimed that because that's where I'm from. I'm an island boy from Puerto Rico. But it's just kind of like in the show, they never really showed me speaking Spanish or engaging with the other girls on that uh, level of like, oh my God, me too. You know, we're all Boricuas and stuff like that. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that did happen, you know, on set and behind the scenes that, you know, of course, I mean, you know, we're from the same country and, you know, we knew people and we have friends in common. But again, I, I, it still blows my mind that, you know, no one, <laughs> I've never done anything like in Spanish because that's my native tongue. So that is a big part of, you know, you as an individual and as a person, like languages and stuff. I, I want to ask you, when you came to the U.S. and when you were in Florida, you're at the age of like 10, you're learning these things. 
When did you start experiencing like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, I am, you know, a gay individual. Like, when did you start for the first time that registering in your head? So I started having homosexual desires, homosexual feelings at a very early age. I want to say when I was in seventh grade in middle school, I was already kind of sort of like, oh, my God, you know, finding guys attractive and whatnot. But I grew up. I'm the youngest of five brothers, and I grew up in a very homophobic environment. And so to me, it was never an option. It was never like, oh, I could be gay or I could be straight. It was like, I'm a boy. I have to like girls. I have to date girls. And I had all these examples, you know, my brothers with girlfriends and super football and super, um, you know, hyper masculine and, you know, just very high testosterone. My, my brothers are, are your typical, you know, straight guy. So kind of growing up in that environment, I was like, this makes sense. I'm a boy. I have to have a girlfriend. So I always had a girlfriend in middle school and high school in the beginning of college. It wasn't until um, I was already, I had already graduated from high school and I was in my first year of college that I came to terms with my sexuality. And I said, oh, my God, I'm, I had that awakening and that epiphany of like, oh, my God, I, I'm gay. And then I had to, you know, come out to my family, come out to my friends and start a new life. And, uh, you know, I, I never say I wish things would have been different. I, I feel like everyone at some point goes, oh, man, I wish I w- that would have happened earlier. I wish this would have happened a different way. And for me, I have thought of like it would have been cool. Like if I would have came out of middle school and high school, you know, and if I would have identified uh, my sexuality and who I was at an early age, because I feel like I lost so much time because when I came out, I became a teenager again. And I went through that, like, you know, uh, exploring and partying and all this other stuff. And I was very lucky because I never got involved in any drugs or anything like that, which is kind of like, you know, a story for a lot of people. So I was very blessed in that respect, but I didn't, focus on finishing college. I didn't focus on like building a career. I didn't focus on like other things where like, I feel like now at my age, I have a lot of life experience and I've done all these wonderful things and I have no regrets. But when I look at my counterparts that are my age, you know, they're married, they have kids that are like in their twenties, they have houses and whatever. And I'm not saying that I find that to be the epitome of success. What I'm saying is I feel like it kind of stunts our growth a little bit as gay individuals when we come out at a later age. Um, Again, for me, it was not safe. And for me, I was never in an environment where I could have been like, okay, maybe I'm gay and maybe that's okay. I feel like because I wasn't given that option, I was like, okay, I'm a boy. I like blue and I have a girlfriend and I'm going to get married and have a picket fence and have the dog and, and, you know, have kids. And I almost did that. And I'm glad I didn't because I'm living the life beyond my wildest dreams. I'm an extremely happy, well-adjusted, healthy gay man, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, But yeah, I was already having those desires, you know, like it was calling me already, but I really pushed all that stuff down. And I was like, no, 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 what am I doing? Oh my God, I'm looking at so-and-so like, you know, I'm straight. I have a girlfriend, you know, and it was funny because multiple times in my life when I was in middle school and high school, a lot of people called me out. They were like, you're gay. And I was like, I'm not gay. Oh my God. And I would like, you know, go in the bathroom and cry and whatever. And, you know, and I was like, oh my God, my life is over. You know, they labeled me as a gay guy, you know? And I remember 
in high school, I was always, I was a theater kid. I was in the drama club. I was in musical theater. I was in acting classes from ninth grade to graduation. And there was a guy in my class and he was very gay and very flamboyant. And it was almost like I wanted him to be as far away from me as possible because something inside of me was so scared. Like, I don't want to be like that guy, but I knew I was and like in a subconscious level. And it, you know, life is so beautiful because he, uh, I remember like it was yesterday, I was in the acting, you know, we were in the acting class and he said, hey, are you gay? And I was so insulted. I was like, how dare you, right? And I feel like he picked up on that. You know, he said, he said, he's one of us. He just hasn't found himself. And what's so beautiful is that we graduated high school. I went off to college. I moved to the university, to Puerto Rico, to go to the University of Puerto Rico for four years, came back to Fort Lauderdale. And when I came back, I bumped into this individual five years later at a gay club of all places. And he said, oh my God, we gave each other a hug and a kiss and whatever. And I said to him, I'm so happy to see you. And I told him about that story. I said, you know, when you said that to me, I thought he was so insulting and I took it so bad. I was like, how dare you? And thank you. And now I can, you know, like he was so happy. He's like, oh my God, you found yourself. You're happy. And it was just such a beautiful moment, you know, like, and and still to this day, like, you know, if I ever see him again, because, you know, life happens and people move and whatever and this and that. I still remember him. I don't just don't want to call him out. I'm like, you know, because <laughs> I don't like to do that. But, you know, he knows who he is. And it was such a beautiful moment. And I'll never forget that. And it's just like, you know, we see people grow and blossom. And I've seen that with other people, yeah. you know, where like, I'm, there, I'm like, oh, my God, you're gay now? Like, you, you were straight and had a fiance and we're going to get married and everything. And now you're a lesbian and have a girlfriend and now you're married to a woman. Like, you know, and it happens. And it's just kind of like we find ourselves at different stages of our lives. Anything and everything that happened in my life happened at the exact perfect moment. And I have no regrets, but I feel a little jealous and happy in the same way, in the same time when I see these young people and they're like dressing however they want to dress and doing whatever they want to do and being themselves. And I love, love, love the shift that is happening. And, you know, you hear people like, oh, they're cramming this gay stuff down our throats. But we know that's not true. We know that what we're seeing is finally we're seeing some representation in movies and in shows and, you know, in all places and in commercials and in, in ads. And I love seeing that and I'm all for it. And I know like some people they complain, they're like, oh, you know, companies only go gay for Gay Pride Month. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's okay. And they need to go yes. gay for Gay Pride Month because I want to see, I want to see rainbows and I want to see like, <laughs> you know, rainbow colored, uh, you know, uh, unicorn sprinkle, whatever you're selling. Because like that is so major because that was not there when I was growing up. You know, it was like, you know, you were gay, you were going to get HIV and AIDS and it was a death sentence and you were going to, I mean, that's what it was, you know, and to be able to see like in my short life, because I'm still very young, like, you know, how much everything has changed. And I'm like, wow, like, again, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, damn, man, I wish I would have grown up at your time, you know, and you're doing drag at like 16, you know, and you're like dressing however you want and you're taking your boyfriend to prom. Like that's such a beautiful thing, you know, and you see yourself represented in big corporation ads for like clothing or whatever. 
And it doesn't matter what their intention is to try to sell gay people stuff and make money off of gay people. That's totally fine. I want to see it. I want to see that representation. And I want to see that all over. And so, like, I, I, I love, obviously, Gay Pride Month. But, I mean, I love when I see that. I'm like, hell yeah, put Rainbow on all this shit, you know? It's such a huge step forward. And I know, like... You know, people that are not from my generation, they don't see it that way. They're like, oh my God, that's so corporate. That's so, you know, they identified everything. And that's okay. Because, you know, if that means that you can be a young queer person, let's just say queer person, because I'm actually, you know, what's so funny is like lately I've been learning to retrain myself because I've noticed how old school I am and the terminology that I use. So I'm getting into the pronouns and I'm getting into all that like, you know, the, the right way yeah. of saying things because it's kind of like, it, it takes an effort, but I definitely want to make the effort because, so let's just say the queer community or, you know, LGBTQ plus, it's great that, you know, you can be yourself at a young age and identify yourself and do whatever you want to do. I mean, you know, have your acrylic nails at Starbucks. You know, I literally just saw that. I was traveling and the guy that handed me my drink, he had acrylic nails. I said, hey, baby, you do drag? And he's like, no. And I was like, I said, you are rocking those nails. Like he, he had like, like a fierce acrylic set. And I was like, you know, like I'm still learning because you know I, I i you know the mentality the old school mentality was if you get that stuff you know you you're a woman you feel like you're a woman and you want to be a woman or you're a drag queen or whatever and that stigma and it's like no like you know people are like i want to get acrylics i get them i don't you don't have to be gay you don't have to be straight and it's a beautiful thing and i was like well hey props to you you know what I mean? he probably was like okay crazy man whatever grab your drink and leave <laughs> but i think it's so like refreshing you know, because I think, I think to some degree, like with all the growth personally that I can only speak for myself, like all the personal growth that I've done in my life via, you know, whatever therapy, self-healing, you know, I joke with my friend and I, I, I always tell him, I'm like, I, I go to church, I do Reiki, I do this, I do that. And, and, and they're like, holy shit. And I'm like, I just do that just to function, just to be like in the light of the spirit and be a happy and like, I'm, and you know, like, and, and like a good person in the world. And it's like, but still all that, you know, like I'm out and I'm proud and I'm a gay man and I'm married and all this stuff. There's still a part of me that's kind of holds back a little bit. There's still a part of me that has like that. Okay, well, don't do the or don't act. You know what I mean? So I still find myself sometimes editing myself. It's such a horrible feeling. And so I love when I don't see the young people editing themselves. They're just like out there they're just doing whatever they want and and how they feel and and that i'm like wow like that's pretty like beautiful to see um sorry i like went on this whole thing here. oh no no because i think to that point you you said something really good you said the fact that like you hold back like you still hold back in some things i remember when i started dating my boyfriend my current boyfriend right now he loved when we would like go out, like we went on the weekend, like he would love like doing like a little bit of like eye stuff. To me, in my head, I was like, when we first started dating, I was like, nope. My Tennessee mother said, nope. That is like, and so in my head, I was instilled that this was a bad thing to do. And it freaked me out and I hated when he did it. And I pushed off this bad energy of like, can you not wear that? Can you not do that? And now 
here I am doing the exact same thing. Now I'm finally like just feeding into it because at the end of the day, we, I think the generation right before like the current Gen Zs and stuff, they, we had a lot of suppression. Like, you know, like a lot of people did not like the gay culture or whatever. And we were taught all of these things. And then now it's just like letting go of that and realizing, hey, I'm my own individual self. Like you said, it comes a lot later sometimes. Like I came out in college, same as what you did, but it's like, if I would have came out at 10, 11, 12, hey, you know what? That would have been a great experience in high school. Like, you know, yeah. So I, I get that, that feeling you have. Yeah. And, you know, like I think about it, I'm like, you know, that person in my high school, he was like the only gay in the village in high school. And I'm like, wouldn't I have been so cool if we would have been like best friends in high school? It would have been like these two fierce gay guys, you know, just like not giving a rat's ass. And it's just I wasn't ready. You know, and like when I think of like everything that's been changing and even like when it comes to the topic of like drag, you know, like when when I started doing drag, if you did drag, that was the kiss of death. Nobody wanted to date you. Nobody wanted to sleep with you. Nobody wanted to hang out with you. You were a freak. You were one of those people, one of those cross-dresser crazies. Right. And even like when, you know, the, the show first aired, people were like, what are we looking at? Like, what is this, you know, and what it's become now, you know, and I'm just like, right on, bring on season 30, you know, bring on all stars 25, because I want that level of just kind of like, this is so normal. And this is so like, you know, whatever. And like, now, people think it's cool. You know, they're like, they're like, you do drag? Oh, my God, that's so cool. Like before, it was like, whoa, freak you know like what is or you know you would take a guy home and then what is that whose wig is that and you're like you know and it was like the kiss of death you know and like now it's like nobody cares they're like oh my god that's so cool can you put me in drag you know what i mean and again that's just like a testament of all the work and all the stuff that we've been doing i mean when i think of i'm a married a legally married gay man in the United States of America. Like I never in a million years first thought I would ever get married because I'm gay and legally and just like all this stuff. Like I, again, mind blown. And I feel, you know, what's so funny is I, so recently I did Mr. Stonewell. And the question that I got was if you could get in a time machine and go anywhere in time, where would you go and why? And my response, I'm not going to give you like the verbatim response, but it was more along the lines of like, I would want to live right now because right now is the best time to be gay. You know, I'm married. I can be married. I have protections at work. The police is not crashing in here to, you know, club everybody, shove them in a, in a wagon and arrest them. You know, I'm not, I can be, say I'm gay and be gay at work and not get fired this is the best time to be gay. You know what I mean? Like I would not want to go anywhere else. And I feel in my heart and I hope that I live long enough to see it when things are like way more advanced and there's not that stigma about gay people adopting and surrogacy and having families and whatever. And, you know, trans folks and community and because, you know, I'm gay, but I'm still a man, right? So I'm very conscious that, you know, the rights and the things that I get to enjoy 
are not the same for my trans brothers and sisters. And I'm very, very aware of that. And so, yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah, things are wonderful and better, but there's still work to do, you know, and there's still things I need to improve. Again, I'm not going to get like crazy political and like go on this whole rant uh, because we would be here for <laughs> three, four or five hours. But, you know, I personally, I do feel like this is the best time to be gay. This is the best time to be living as a LGBTQ queer person, how, wherever you feel fit or fall under that umbrella. It's the best time. That's so true. And like, I look at it too and I'm like, you know, it's it's just crazy how things can progress and change over time. You are talking now about how you, as an individual, didn't feel comfortable with some aspects of you, but you were on the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, this was like the moment where drag is being shown. I have talked to a lot of girls from earlier seasons and a lot of them were scared of the fact of going on. They didn't want to, you know, present themselves on television. They thought it could be like something mimicking or making fun of because all representation of drag was Jerry Springer and Mari up until then. When did you, for the first time, decide to do drag? So my drag journey began in Puerto Rico when I was fresh out of the closet. And I was going to college and I was obviously like a good young gay boy going to clubs, gay clubs and enjoying and dancing and enjoying myself. And um, I, there's a, a, a local bar that I used to go to all the time with my best friend and uh, the bartender. He was like, wow, you're so pretty. He's like, you have those full lips. You have those long lashes. He's like, I bet if you put like a little lip gloss and a little mascara, you'd be like, you look like such a girl. And so me and my best friend as a prank showed up to the bar one night and I did exactly that. I had like lip gloss and mascara and a wig. And um, that's where it all started. And then, you know, I, I was like, wow, this is so much fun. And I started uh, dressing on my own. And back then there was no YouTube tutorials and there was no, you know, all these celebrities that you see that are men doing makeup on themselves or on other people like that did not exist. The only reference that existed for like makeup, as far as like educational stuff, were the Making Faces by Kevin Aquan and uh, Face Forward. I remember like it was yesterday, I went to Barnes and Nobles and I bought those two books and they were like the Bibles. And that's where I learned how to, you know, like I started like learning, you know, self-teaching myself. And uh, the rest is history. You know, I, down the road, I got a drag mother. And once you, you know, fall under the wings or care of like your drag mother, you know, they teach you how to do like makeup and hair and they take you under their wing. And again, I, I'm very blessed because I, I had two drag mothers and they were they still are phenomenal entertainers, phenomenal makeup artists, hair and costume designers and everything. So I was very blessed that I had that, you know, mentorship. I still find drag, even though I don't do drag anymore, I still find drag extremely fascinating and I find it fun and I love watching drag. Like I, I'm all about going to the drag show and I'm all about supporting girls and, you know, and although now I'm more like, audience member i still you know have like a deep love and respect and i still do some girls in makeup every now and again i just put a a, a good friend of mine in makeup i went to canada and i just i didn't go there to like 
do drag or makeup or anything. We're just hanging out and I'm like, okay, pull out your makeup. Let's do some makeup. And I painted her face and we put on a wig and we did like an impromptu photo shoot. And I still do love um, doing stuff like that. But again, I, I don't no longer do it on myself, but it's not something that I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer in, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not like that. That's just not my personality. I am a believer in chapters of your life. And I feel like that chapter came to a close and now I'm in a new chapter. And what does this new chapter have to bring? And like what new experiences and what cool things are going to, you know, happen in this new chapter. And maybe we'll revisit that old chapter or maybe a new chapter, you know, will intersect with an old chapter. Um, But for right now, I'm just kind of enjoying, you know, just like laying low and just doing very kind of (laughs) mundane things. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the non-mundane. When you got on to this little show called RuPaul's Drag Race, I watched your audition video. I think it's crazy looking back, what, over 10 years ago? And it's like, wow, like this is like a piece of your life. Like you said, it's like a chapter what was that experience like? Like when you walk through that door for the first time, now I'm sure well, from all of us knowing, it looks nothing like what it looks like now. I feel like you guys were like in the back alley of somewhere. It's the, the smallest little stage, smallest little set. You walk on and what did you think? I will tell you going into the show, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know what the show was about. In fact, if I'm completely honest with you, I thought it was going to be a lot more physical. So I thought the show was going to be like an obstacle course type of show, but in drag. And I and I was so ready for that because I was like, I'm going to wear my, my pigtails with my bandana and my full face and my little short shorts and my tank top. And I was going to, you know, like go through that obstacle course because they didn't really tell us what the show was going to be about. They didn't really tell us what to expect. So in reality, we were the guinea pigs. We were the trailblazers. We were the pioneers. We were, you know, venturing into uncharted territory. And we did something that had never been done before. And we basically, what we did was we created like this landscape and like this roadmap and this formula of what is now RuPaul's Drag Race. And based on the success of season one, that's what you have now. You know what I mean? Now it's an empire. Now it's 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 a revolution. When we did it, like I said, when the show came out, people were like, what are we looking at? Like, what is this? And it was either going to bomb or it was going to be a huge success. And we had no idea. I mean, personally, I was just kind of like, I'm young and I want to be on TV and I want to do a show. And it's it's a race. Oh my God. And I'm super competitive when it comes to like sports. Like I played baseball, softball, volleyball. And so like I have a competitive personality, uh, you, you would say, um, but more like like sports, you know, growing up with my brothers and everything. Again, we didn't know, at least I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I went there with like literally one suitcase. And now I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did 
all that sewing during that season. Because at one point I ran out of outfits and I was sewing every single outfit that I was wearing on that season because I had no more clothes. And you don't really see that anymore. Now you see more of a, the girls go there with like five suitcases and they come with all these like super expensive clothes. I mean, back then, a lace front, I don't even think anyone wore a lace front in my season. I don't even think, you know, unless you were like Broadway or like, you know, a queen that actually made those things, like you couldn't afford a lace front and you could, you didn't know what the heck a lace front, and if you did, again, like you didn't have one. And so, um, you know, like now, you know, lace fronts and all these like beautiful outfits and, and designers and all this stuff. And like now it's something different. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but definitely it's, it's not season one. Season one was a very challenges kind of like on the fly. And I feel like it was more because there was that surprise element. We didn't know what to expect. It was more challenging and more fun at the same time. Reviews. They are everything, whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. The thing about you as an individual is that I felt like I related to you on the show for the fact of, I mean, I may get this completely wrong and you can correct me. I felt you were more of an introvert. I feel like you're more of, you know, a little bit more quiet, a little bit more like you watch behind the scenes, you see what's going on, then you present yourself. You're a little bit more reserved. But I feel like when that persona, especially in drag and especially in drag race, People view it as bitchy or people view it as like you have an attitude or you're the villain. But in actuality, that's just your personality. You did get a little bit of a villain at it. How did that feel? That was such a long time ago. Um, and I'm a, again, I, I don't really like to dwell on the past. So for me, it's kind of like, 
you know, it, what's done is done. Personally, I will say you are completely right. I'm a definite introvert and I'm actually a very shy person. I know that it's hard. That's hard to believe because people are like, wow, how are you an introvert and you're shy and you want to go on stage and you want to do a show and you want to do all this stuff. But it's just kind of like when I'm in character and I'm on stage and I'm doing the thing, I'm doing it and then it's over and it's back to myself. And I feel like that was a huge difference between me and the other girls. I think some of the other girls were their drag persona in and out of drag. So they were always on, you know, for me, it was like, okay, all this stuff came off. I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, your regular, whatever, shy, introverted, awkward person. And I, when I had the costume on, you know, and you do the thing and whatever, it's different. And that's, what the alter ego is, right? For me, definitely, I'm painfully shy. And that can definitely come off as like, wow, she's trying to snub me. She's a bitch. She didn't want to say hi, whatever. But I'm like, you know, like, I'm socially awkward, you know, and just kind of like extremely shy. In fact, that has happened to me in the past where I've met people and I've wanted to say hi, but I didn't. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, my God, I should have said hi. Oh, my God, this person's going to think I'm a total bitch. And it's not even that. It's just kind of like, you know, like, I'm actually really shy. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have control over that. I don't really like to think about that too, too much. You know, like when I was on the show, I was just being myself. You know, I was I had my headset on and I was listening to the music and I was focusing on like, what am I going to wear next? How am I going to do my makeup? Like, you know, or, oh, my God, I need to make an outfit, you know, uh, from scratch. And so I don't like instantly connect with people. I'm not like, oh my God, best friends, you know? So it's kind of like, we didn't really have enough time to like bond or like, you know, get to know each other or anything like that. You just throw a whole bunch of people in one room and it's in a competition level environment. And again, hey, listen, it's a show and they need a narrative and they need drama and conflict. So uh, there was times where they were trying to pit us against each other and stuff like me. I can say what I did, I'm proud of and I don't have any regrets. I could have been a little more outgoing. But again, it's just like, that's not my personality. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm actually a very quiet person. I remember I did this show in Orlando one time. And there was all these girls backstage and I had already done drag race and I'm like doing my makeup and whatever. And everyone's like bah, 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 gossiping back and forth and whatever. And I'm listening, you know, cause I'm an observer and I get off on that. And then somebody would said something, whatever. And like, you know, like, Oh, you know, she's so quiet over there, like referring to me. And then another girl said, you got to be careful with those quiet girls. Because when they open their mouth, that's when they, they really want to talk and they really want to say something. You know what I mean? But don't think that she's any type of way. She's just very reserved, you know? And I looked at her and I said, girl, I'm over here focused on my makeup. And I'm, I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, my lashes crooked and my lips came out too big and whatever. And, you know, it's so funny because people have a perception of like, oh, she's so standoffish. And I'm over here thinking my insecurities, you know, like, oh my God, this came out wrong. This, you know what I mean? I got to fix this and fix that. And it's just like, you know, when I was younger, I would let that kind of get to me. But now I'm just kind of like, hey, look, you know, this is how I am. And like, I feel like some people get that and some people don't. 
I'm a big believer in you're not everyone's cup of tea. I love that reference of that um, burlesque uh, entertainer. And she said, you can be the ripiest, juiciest peach and you're going to meet someone who hates peaches. And that is so true, you know? So most of the time, I feel like we, if you look at the season, I'm like listening to music and really, you know, in my own little world. But that also comes from living with four older very straight. <laughs> you are very, just always uh, in your quiet corner. Yeah. My, and mind you, my older brothers, they all type eight. They're like in your face and like, you know, like, like super alpha. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. You know, like, please don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that I think you have as a drag persona, but also as yourself, you have a very captivating personality though. And the one thing that I have always seen is people love Rebecca Glasscock. Like, literally, like, I went back, I was watching old videos of you, old interviews. I am dying. Like, you as Rebecca Glasscock is the funniest fucking thing. I think that you have such talent in that realm. And so when you get off the show, you pursue your drag, do you feel like after you were off the show that the show helped you or hurt you? Because I know when I spoke to Porkchop, Porkchop basically said the first like three or four years were awful. And she said once like season four hit, finally people started understanding it a little bit more. Did you have a similar experience? For me, I had a great time doing the show. I was happy with my placement on the show as well. You know, because a lot of people are like, you should have won or what, or don't you feel some type of way about not winning? And I, again, I'm just a big believer in if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If I was meant to be the winner, there's no person, place, thing, or situation that would have stood in my way to win. And so knowing that and believing that, I said, this is exactly where I need to be. That was exactly as far as I needed to go. And after I did the show, I moved to New York to pursue my acting career because I had an epiphany. I said, I need to go. I need to audition. I need to like branch out. I need to. And that's something I've always wanted to do. I've always been in musical theater. I've always been in acting. So when I look and I think, like in my heart, always, since I was a little boy, putting on shows for my mom and my brothers and the neighborhood kids and all this stuff, like that's always something that I've wanted to do. Drag allowed me to explore and cultivate the makeup, the hair, the costuming, the stage uh, presence and performance, the lighting. The di- I mean, like, just was able to tap into all these many different things that are related to entertaining. When I left the show and I moved to New York, that's when the show aired. And it didn't affect me negatively because before the show I was already performing and doing shows on my own and booking myself if anything it helped me because you know people knew who I was and they wanted to book me and they wanted me to perform in certain places so for me it was a positive experience the only negative thing that I would say was that I am the proud first recipient ever in drag race history of hate mail First one. And I see a lot of the girls now online that because the fandom has become so toxic. And I'm not saying that all the fans of RuPaul's Drag Race are that way, but there's a certain count of fan 
that's very mean-spirited. And I've seen girls online get called the N-word, get called slurs, get called very mean, hurtful things. And regardless of how you feel about these people or their characters or their persona or whatever, however they were portrayed on the show, these are people with feelings. These are people, and words do matter and words do hurt. And I didn't know what comments were. And I didn't know you don't read the comments, you know? And I was so green and so naive. So when this exploded and I started reading all those negative, very mean, hurtful things, and people started directing all that hatred towards me, right? It felt, it was very hard to deal with and it was very hard to handle. I am so blessed that I have people in my life that love me unconditionally that want the best for me spiritually, mentally, physically. And I had that strong support system that they were like, no, 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 no. We know who you are. That is not, no, 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 no. You know, and and I had to learn to not read those things, not let that affect me, not kind of get into that mindset of like, oh my God, are people going to like me? It doesn't matter if people like me or not. I'm going to be myself. I'm a human and I'm allowed and I'm entitled to exist in the world. For me, unfortunately, I guess for like my season, you know, I was portrayed as like the villain, you know, the young ingenue who will go to any lengths to, you know, climb and claw her way to the top. And it's a character, you know, because we need characters. Even if it's a reality TV show and it's not scripted, we still need a storyline. We still need characters. We need like the Latina. We need like the plus size girl. We need like, you know, the, the girl from another country. And we need like the fierce, you know, seasoned girl. And we need the ingenue that's going to like create drama and whatever. And that formula still exists in every single season of Drag Race. If you watch every single season of Re- Drag Race, there's going to be a Rebecca. There's going to be a BB. There's going to be a Porkchop, Anina Flowers, and Angina. I mean, that is the winning formula. So to answer your question, like it didn't really affect me professionally being on the show, but personally, like that kind of animosity, that kind of hatred from the fans, right? That was really hard to get used to, to learn, to go through. Again, I had never experienced anything like that. And we're season one. We were the trailblazers. We were the pioneers. We did and went where no one has ever gone before. So we were the first to experience everything. So, you know, that is something I still see. And it's gotten worse, you know. They're going to make somebody look crazy. They're going to make somebody look like a villain. They're going to make someone like the the hero and whatever. And so like, and it's a show for entertainment. You know what I mean? So like, again, that person, regardless of how you feel, that's still a person in there and with feelings. And it really, it makes me so angry. And it breaks my heart when I see like, you know, people like attacking girls online on Instagram or whatever and making, you know, like really hurtful memes or things like that because I've experienced that myself. And so, you know, I've been there and it feels horrible. And it's a, it's a, it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible experience to go through. Again, I'm not saying poor me, you know, I took a negative and I turned it into a positive and I took a bad experience in my life and I grew stronger and I grew as an individual and, you know, and it's kind of like, again, everything in my life that has happened has happened for a reason. And now here I am. 
And I wouldn't have it any other way. My next question for you, I want to wrap up this drag race part of your life, but there's two more questions I want to ask you about your time on the show. I would love to know from you, I always ask all the girls, um, since the show's called Exposed, to expose something that happened behind the scenes of Drag Race that didn't make it to air, that either you wish would have made it to air, or it was a funny moment, a sad moment, a crazy moment. Um, Was there something that did not get shown that you thought was good or you wish would have been shown? There was a lot of camaraderie behind the scenes that was not shown. Um, And that was purposefully done for the sake of, you know, the narrative or whatever, uh, however they wanted to portray whatever, you know, each girl or whatever. So I feel like there was a lot of like behind the scenes and very touching and moments where like we were bonding and we're, you know, getting along and, and we're like collaborating with each other. And that didn't make it on the air, obviously. But again, that is why, you know, after the show, like, you know, a lot of the girls have remained friends and have worked together. And because there's no, like, real beef or drama there, it's just, we did a show. We didn't know what we were doing. And we did the best we could. And we were, like, insta-celebrities before insta, you know. Instagram wasn't even out. And we were, like, we were just thrust into, like, you know... Before we could go anywhere and whatever. And now you're somewhere and people are like, oh my God, you're so, you're like, oh my God, I'm just here trying to have a drink and like, you know, and like unwind with my friend. And a lot of that was really cool. And a lot of that was, you know, kind of like, you know, it took some getting used to. But again, we, they were like putting our promos like in New York and like all these places. And like, we were definitely not ready for all of that. So when did you decide and what made you decide to retire Rebecca Glasscock? So I had already been doing drag for 16 years and I had done it successfully and I have had what I felt was a very long, successful, productive run. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things were happening in my life. I was getting to a certain age and I was like, well, I'm getting this age. Like, where do I see myself in the next five years, in the next 10 years? Like, is this something I want to do long-term? And I had uh, a personal death that happened in my life. Uh, My best friend, um, he took his life. And that was very, that was like, that was a, a hard moment in my life, you know, and a week later, my older brother went into a coma and almost died. And I was still living in New York and I had to think like, why is this happening? Like, you know, my best friend is gone. My brother almost died and we don't know what's going to happen with him long term. I'm here in New York. I'm single. I don't really have anybody. I'm by myself, essentially, what do I want to do? You know, I've been here long enough and I've done, you know, a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but what's next? And I was thinking like, maybe I want to buy a house. Maybe I want to get married. Maybe I want to settle down. Maybe I just want a a more quiet, more sedentary life. But a lot of my decision also was my brother needed my help. You know, we're not rich and he was going to need a 24 seven nurse. So I was like, that's going to be me. Because I'm not married and I don't have kids and, you know, I can quit my job and take care of my brother. And that was the plan. And then that didn't end up happening. 
I moved from New York to Fort Lauderdale, and then I was going to go from Fort Lauderdale to Puerto Rico. Right before I was going to make my permanent move to Puerto Rico, my dad was like, please don't come. He's like, we'll take care of it. You know, you're young and you, you've had a successful life. We want you to continue to have a successful life and just kind of like be happy. And and I think my dad didn't want me to commit to, at a young age, like a life of like, you know, basically like, okay, well, this is going to be my life. I'm going to take care of my brother. And I would have gladly have done that. And that was what I wanted to do. Um, but my dad was like, no, don't come. And so I didn't. And then I said, what do I do now? I'm in Fort Lauderdale. So I was doing drag in Fort Lauderdale for a little bit. And then things happened. You know, the review show that had been going on for 17 plus years came to an end. And uh, before it came to an end, because I returned to the show I used to do when I first started doing drag. And uh, to the original cast that I originated with my drag mother and my drag sisters and others. And um, I, I did that for a little bit. And I had a few moments where I was backstage after shows and I was like, what am I doing here? You know, like it's late. And I, I met a guy and I was like, I want to be in my apartment watching Netflix with this new guy I just met. And, you know, and then the new guy became my boyfriend. And then I was like, I don't really want to be here waiting for my pay at three, four o'clock in the morning, you know? And so I stopped doing the show shortly after the show came to a close and then it was like a soft break and then life happened. I got married <laughs> and I and I got another job and, you know, and then I wasn't relying on drag because drag became my full-time job for many years. And I was like, hey, God, like, what do I do now? Like, and I was like, you know, if God makes a way for me to maybe get another job and make a living doing something else, maybe I'll consider. And then opportunities started you know, presenting themselves. And I was like, okay, well, this is, okay, I hear you. Okay, let's do this. And I transitioned out of drag and now I'm a flight attendant. You know, that's something I never thought I would ever do. That's something that intrigued me when I was younger. And my godmother, she was a, a Pan Am flight attendant. And she would tell me all these stories about like, you know, the glamour and traveling the world and and she's a very elegant, glamorous woman. You know, she's obviously in much older, but she still wears like her red lipstick and her pearl necklace and her hair is always done. And just like she has this posture of like an air of like elegance and like, you know, this just very regal thing about her. And that's old school, you know, Pan Am, like those flight attendants. They were just, they were like superstars, you know? Now I'm a flight attendant. And she used to tell me all the time, she was like, you should be a flight attendant, you should be a flight attendant. And I was like, I want to be an actor, I want to be a star, you know? And, and so, like, I never did it. And now I'm doing both. You know, I'm a flight attendant full-time, and I love it. And I do have time to do, like, my photo shoots and um, do shows. I, I'm performing as a guy now. You know, I'm singing live, and uh, I'm branching out uh, into, you know, like, going back to performing as myself. I used to make all my costumes in drag and now I'm making costumes and outfits for myself as a man. So that's a different, that, that's a totally different skill, you know, from going from making dresses and skirts and things to making like suit jackets and like, you know, cool, you know, like guy stuff and like pants. I had never made pants in my life. You know, I made pants for the very first time, like four or five months ago. And so it's something that I'm exploring now, making men's clothing and uh, costumes for myself as a guy, singing live. So when I was much younger, I had a wonderful voice. 
because, you know, I was young and I had never smoked a cigarette in my life. Fast forward, gay, fabulous, drinking, smoking. I smoked for a good 14 years. And so like my voice wasn't the same. I've been smoke free now for going on eight years. So, you know, now I see like, wow, the body does really heal. The body heals. And if you treat your body right, you know, your voice can come back. And so, you know, like vocal coaching and practicing or whatever, I'm back to singing, which is something that I absolutely love. And in the future, God willing, I'm hoping, you know, to like do more of that. I write music, songs, I should say, I write songs and I like to write like little skits and plays and things and whatever. So I think that might either become like a playwright or uh, for like a play or like a play musical thing, or it might become just like a book. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but that's something that I never had time to do before because I was busy. I had to, you know, get costumes together and hair and travel and, and, you know, and all this other stuff. So, and you were, you were also putting in all of that creativity into another aspect of your life. And now that you've you know, push that part, you know, in that chapter of your life. Now you can open up into something totally different and use your creative drive, which I love. It's so funny because it's kind of like I'm coming full circle because I feel like I'm back to being like the acting kid in musical theater and in drama club and whatever, because now I'm just Javier, you know, singing live and performing and making costumes and doing skits and things and whatever. And so that's not something that's ever going to leave me. I'm always going to be doing something artistically, whether that's in front of the camera or behind the camera. So again, just kind of like enjoying this like new chapter of my life, like married and, you know, doing things as a guy. And, you know, it sounds really silly, but the 16 years that I did drag nonstop, it was like my drag identity took priority. And it's almost like a lot of things I didn't do because I was like, well, I can't work out because if I work out and I get big, it's not going to look right. And I can't have like body hair and I can't do it. And so it's kind of like now it's kind of nice to, because I'm having fun just being a guy. And I know that sounds really silly, but it's kind of nice to like grow a beard if I want to not shave, you know, do I want body hair? Do I want trim body hair? I mean, it, it is really like small little things. Also, you know, like playing dress up, like as a guy. You know, because before, like, I was, like, super, like, looking great on stage in drag. And then outside of drag, it was, like, jeans and a t-shirt and, like, flip-flops. So it went from, like, really dressed up and, like, fabulous to, like, super dressed down and just, like, you know, like, no effort, like, a hat. And so it is kind of cool to spend money on myself, you know, and buy myself like cool clothes and buy myself things that I like and stuff. My husband makes fun of me because I used to tell him, I was like, I was like, well, you know, I think I'm addicted to drag. And he's like, I think you're addicted to shopping. And now that you're not doing drag, you don't have like a reason to shop. And so like that's transition into like buying stuff for myself, buying stuff for other people. I love gifting people stuff. Like I'm one of those like freaky nerdy people that's like, oh my God, I got you this. And they're like, why? And it's like, oh my God, because you love it. And I know, you know, like it's a perfect gift. But yeah, just again, loving this new chapter of my life. I feel extremely blessed. I mean, it's great. You know, when you, thank you for wanting to even interview me. When you approached me, I was like, oh my God, what are we going to talk about? You know what I mean? You know, this it's been wonderful to just kind of sit here and just talk. I love it. I cannot thank you enough for chatting with me. I think that the one thing that is amazing about your trajectory is just the fact that you tapped into your feminine side. 
And then now you're finally, you have the confidence now to tap into you as an individual. And I love that beyond belief. Where can everybody find you on the socials and what is going on with you the rest of this year? Anything exciting? Um, so right now where you can find me on social media is on my Instagram. My Instagram is at the underscore Javier underscore Rivera. That's my only social media. That's where you can find me, see pictures, interact with me because I actually man that myself. So I do respond to people and I do talk to people from time to time. It's not like a ghostwriter or someone pretending to be me. In the future, I again, I'm writing stuff and I'm working with other creative individuals. So I'm hoping to put some content out there and as far as like video and like, you know, film related things. I had a couple of things in the works, but then COVID hit. And, you know, again, it was just kind of like a nice break to just kind of like regroup and uh, go back to the drawing board. But again, I'm not on a timeline. You know, I don't have to put stuff out just to put stuff out. And I don't feel like I, I, you know, I have to stay relevant and I have to do this and I have to do that. I'm doing things in my own time and I'm doing things because I want to do them and because I find them fun or because I find them useful. So I'm definitely never going to stop creating. So if you follow me on Instagram, that's where you will see what I'm up to and what I'm doing and what I'll be doing in the future. Thank you so much for the interview. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Um, Are this you has been me? super fun. I feel like you're like in my living room and we're just having right? like a conversation. Right, we're just chatting. Like, great. I'm like, we need to start doing this once a month. I'm like, you are so good. And mind you, and mind you I'm totally game for doing that. Like, oh, then we will. It'll be... Because there's something that you mentioned and I was like, you know what? I could be talking about that for a while. That whole thing that you say, you know, you tapped into your feminine side and now you tapped into your masculine side. And again, it's fun to be a boy. It's fun to explore being a man and all that stuff. But I don't let that get to me in this sense of toxic masculinity where I'm like, no, I'm a macho and I'm man and uh and fuck all that feminine shit and whatever and this and that. Like, I love a man that can look however he wants and be, and that purse comes out of the mouth or yeah. like, you know, or be like completely, completely comfortable with their feminine side because I think that's the beautiful thing about being gay. We're not men. We're not women. Well, essentially we are men, but what I'm saying is like, we don't have to fit into those stereotypes of like this is feminine this is masculine like we are a mixture of both and that's a beautiful thing and we can be like look hyper masculine and have that eyeliner and have those acrylic nails or whatever and i love it i see that all the time now like guys have like nail polish and i'm like i used to do that when i was 19 (laughs) and they were like now people do it and it's so common and it's great and so again yes i'm exploring my masculine side yes i'm having fun you know, being a guy, but I don't let that get to me where, oh, I don't want to do, well, I I don't want to revisit doing drag only because, you know, I'm lazy now and I don't want to do all that work. That's a lot of work. But but it's it doesn't come from like a feminine bad, drag bad. It doesn't come from that place. It comes, you know, and I, I like, I want to just be myself. And if I want to wear like a lace shirt one day, wear a lace shirt, paint my nails, do whatever, wear a wig. You know, I want to feel comfortable to be able to do that, you know, and just be like, hey, man, like I can look and do whatever the hell I want to do. 
and have fun and be comfortable. So it's kind of like as gay men, we can do that too. We can say, we can try to get into that, like, oh, super masculine thing. Like, just be yourself, just live your life, you know? So again, I feel like we can be talking for like another <laughs> six hours. I'm just going to let you go. You I have do. my contact We're information. Please don't be a stranger. And for real, for real, like anytime you want to talk, whether that's on the phone or recording or whatever, I'm I'm game. I I, I have had uh, so much fun. And best of luck with you. your show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Javier. I'm Joseph Shepard. This is Exposed. Rebecca Glasscock, you know, you can hear that voice coming through. It's there. It's Javier. It's both. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the daily pop culture podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America Kate and Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself. Ooh.